Well, today I'm going to start off right at the beginning. This is a this is a faith sermon. This is a faith sermon. Um, now, if you've been around church for any length of time, um, you would have heard a sermon or two about faith. I'm sure if I, I put you to it, you'd probably be able to throw out different points that you have heard about a faith sermon and we'd be able to throw a sermon together and um, we'd be all good. You'd even have a, a few Bible verses and, 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 and most of you would be familiar with the story of Jericho. Like whether it's from Sunday school, whether it's kind of references or um, even some of the songs that we sing have references to Jericho. Now, now what I'm saying is that you've heard all, all these things before. Like if, if that's true, maybe we just head out to morning tea. You don't, there's nothing new you need to hear right now. Um, hopefully there's not too many people nodding at this point, but, but if faith is so important, why do we struggle with it so often? Um, Faith, when realised and put into practice, will impact all areas of our lives, our actions, our perspective, our worries, our obedience, our goals, our mission in life. Faith has this sort of saturation of our lives. And I think at times we think of faith as we sort of put it into little compartments. And and so today, um, as we go through the story of Jericho, I want to look at our process for developing and growing our faith. Um, I believe what our normal process, now again, maybe my process has been, you, you may be way more mature than me and so you've done it way different, but I, I, I think my process of, of developing faith is that it's almost like testing God bit by bit to see if God will come through. And it's like testing one of those rickety bridges in, in one of those movies you see, crossing a big canyon. You can picture that and you step out onto the bridge and you, you test the plank going, will this hold me? Well, am I going to fall to the crocodiles that are sort of in this little creek below and, you, and, it, and it's in a country where there's no crocodiles, but it's there because not only do you have to fall 100 metres, you've got to be eaten by the crocodiles. So it's sort of, let's stretch our faith. We've got to step out onto this rickety bridge. And step by step, we sort of go, oh, yeah, it's going to hold, it's going to hold. And we do that with God. One step uh, is taking is taken slowly and surely, and then another to make sure that God can handle whatever that we are trusting him with. And then he gets us through that time. Praise God. We go, oh, God, thank you so much for getting me through whatever that was. And then we might be willing to trust God in something bigger next time. But at right now, I've, I've got through that problem. I've got through that trial. I've got through that situation. I don't need you right now, God. I need you when the next situation comes up. And that's going to be the opportunity for my faith to grow again. But what if we looked at it in a different way? Not growing incrementally. Not growing step by step by step and, and getting to a point that, oh, finally I've got a big faith that I can trust God with, with bigger things in my life. But actually starting at the top, actually starting at the big thing and letting the framework of faith flow down over every aspect of our lives. Well, with that in mind, well, let's jump into Joshua 6 and find out more. So let's begin at, at verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut and because the people were afraid of the Israelites, no one was allowed to go out or in. Now again, sometimes our reading of scripture, we actually read into scripture and we sort of, I don't know what you think of when they say, oh Jericho was shut up tight. Maybe you think a colourbond fence, maybe a pool fence, maybe it's just a, a, a double bolted door and you go, oh we can't get in, the army can't get in. 
No, no, the thing is, when they say it was um, tightly shut, and I, I read from the uh, Amplified Bible, and it, the way it wrote it was, high-walled city. And that's what it was. Uh, that was that was the issue. When you go back to the 12 spies that originally went into to, um, uh, Canaan to, to look to get out the promised land, the problem was that they have fortified cities and then giant men. And so there was a fortified city. And when it says it was tightly shut, it was meant that no one was going to get in without us letting them in. There was stone. There was, would have been a heavy set gate. And they were shut. And because they were inside, they were relatively safe. Siege weapons weren't developed yet at this point in time. And to defeat a city like this would have meant a large loss of life for the attacking army. There was no other way around it. And this was what was in front of Joshua, an impossible obstacle. It was an impossible obstacle. But then we see in Joshua 6 too. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. This is what you want to hear. As you sort of sit in front of this fortified city with high stone walls, with arches on top of the walls um, like everything else they can do to stop you from coming in you want to hear God say I'm going to give it to you I'm going to give it to you I'm going to give you victory here we're going to win and I can imagine Joshua waiting for God to unsort of fairly but here Josh, this is what we're going to do and, and sort of lay out the plan for him and that's exactly what God did but I can imagine it's not the plan that Joshua or we would be expecting and in verse 3 it says, you and your fighting men, yeah, 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 what is it, God? What do, we, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to attack? I want you to march around the town once a day. Yeah, do you want us to make faces? What are, what are we going to act scary for six days? And on the seventh day, and have seven priests walk ahead of you. Okay, yep, well, and with the ark, that's great. Carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you've got to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. Just is going. So God, we're going to be a marching band. What 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 are we going to be doing? Like, how are we going to overtake? Are we going to wear down the ground somehow and sort of tunnel under? What what are we going to be doing here, God? Verse five. It comes in. It says, "When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and the walls of the town will collapse, and the people will charge straight into the town." Now, again, some of us read this and go, oh, man, God is amazing. Now, if God said for you to yell at a stone wall and he was going to bring you victory, how confident would you be? No, yep, so, and that's the thing. That's essentially what God has told him to do. I want you to yell at the bricks. Now, this is the thing. God is trying to sort of... um. God has sort of basically said, I want you to work, walk in one big circle, once a day, and then seven times on the seventh day, and then trumpet and shout really loudly, and I'm going to bring you victory. Now, it was not a logical plan. It was not a probable plan. It was not a possible plan. It was an impossible plan. I think that was the whole point. This was the first battle of, 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 of the promised land. And God wanted to show his people that only I could pull this off. And this is the start, this should be the starting point of our faith because we should be able to see that, that God can do the impossible things 
in impossible ways. That should be the pinnacle of our faith. We should go, God can do the impossible things in impossible ways. Like if that's, if that's the top point of our faith, it's interesting to see where that go. See, Joshua and Israel needed to fully trust God or not. Um, and, and if it didn't work, there was, there was no backup. There was no fallback plan. They would have been exposed to their enemies. You imagine walking around the city on that seventh time and about to yell and they yell and nothing happens and the people on top of the, of the walls would start going, what? These Israelites haven't got anything. Maybe we start... Maybe we start shooting arrows at them. Maybe we start doing things to them. Maybe we actually run out and attack them. Can you imagine if God did not show up in that time and the Israelites fled, all of a sudden their campaign of the promised land would have been over before it started. The thing is, I think if I was Joshua, I would have come back to God saying, I love your plan, but here, I've got a few suggestions. Instead of trumpets, boulders from the sky. That at least makes more sense. Instead of yelling like, I don't know, laser swords, something like from the future that you can give us. Like yelling and trumpets, is that what you were going to do, God? But Joshua was obedient. Now, disobedience comes out of the fact that Joshua believed that God could do the impossible in impossible ways. We pick up in verse um, 8 of Joshua 6. And after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's um, covenant followed behind them. So they basically set out to do exactly what God had asked them to do. We're going to march around the city once a day and then go back to camp. We do that day one and day two and day three and day four, day five, day six. And it comes to day seven and, and the people on the, on the walls would have noticed on day seven that, oh, they didn't stop after the first time. They didn't stop after the second time. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And they're coming around the seventh time. And it's funny, God actually um, had told Joshua to tell the army not to say anything. So as they're market, marching around the seventh time, the trumpets are blowing, but there's not a, not a peep um, coming out of the army whatsoever. And then we pick up in verse 16. And the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout for the Lord has given you this town. Now, it's happened here in this church. I'm sure it happens other places where someone sort of up the front goes, who believes this? And we go, that kind of cheer. Like, who believes and like, and, and, but the thing is, I can't imagine that happening at this point in time. I believe it would have been, I, 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 I because, because of their faith, it changed the way they reacted to God's command because they went, we're going to be obedient with all of our being. And so when we say to shout, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And they shouted and, and then we, we pick up in verse 20. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. What I find amazing about that verse was that the thing that was impossible that prevented them from capturing the town, God removed just like that. He just removed it. 
He removed the barrier. He removed the obstacle. And, and, and the thing is, in that simple sentence, and the Israelites charged in, and they captured the town. That's how easy it was. It's because God did something impossible in an impossible way. This was something only God could do. It was impossible, and God achieved it in an impossible way. And when we fully accept this, believe this, trust this in our own lives, we can start from this point and live out every area of our lives by faith. We can walk in faith day by day, situation by situation, challenge by challenge, because when we believe that God can do the impossible in impossible ways, our faith is set free to live in total dependence in God. Because when we, when we believe God can do the impossible in impossible ways, and we believe that at the top, what comes under that? We can believe that God can do the possible, in impossible ways. That God can do the possible in possible ways. There might be things in your life and, and God and you are praying for, you're believing on it, and God is wanting you to move in that way and you go, well, that's, it could happen, but God does something miraculous to make it happen. It might be getting a new car. God wants you to get, you, you need a new car for your family and God goes, okay, you're, you're making all your plans and all of a sudden God does something amazing and someone says, hey, I've got this second-hand car that we don't use anymore. Would you like to have it? And you go, yes, please, thank you very much. And, and sometimes what the problem is, we don't recognise God working in that. We're, we're seeing something possible and we go, oh, we just got lucky. Oh, aren't we fortunate? And God is actually doing the possible in impossible ways. He's not giving you a flying car. He's just giving you a car. He's gifting that to you. But it seems to be an impossible way that it's happened. I haven't had to fork out any money. I haven't been able to do that. And so, but we've got to start thinking about other possible things that God may do in impossible ways. God may provide your needs in impossible ways. Now, for most of us, earning money is something that we do in our workplace. That's a possible way. But there are going to be times in our life that we may have a specific need that needs to be supplied. So earning money is something that we is, is very likely to happen. Well, we'll go we'll go to work, we'll come home, we'll get support from the government, money shows up in our bank account. But sometimes that, that extra blessing comes in in an impossible way. Um, I, I remember the story um, by, uh, I may have even shared it here in church before, it's a great example of this. Uh, Reese Howells, um, he wrote a book called Intercessor and he was a great um, pray, uh, uh, prayer warrior and, and, and involved in the, the Welsh revivals in um, overseas. And there was one story he told that he, he got to the point that he lived by faith very much. And there was one day he, he was going to the train station and he, as he left his, his house, he grabbed a, a, um, an envelope out of that had been put in his mailbox and just put it in his pocket. And on the way to the train station, he had money in his wallet to pay for a ticket to get to where he needed to get to. And along the way, some, a need came up and he went, God just directed me, you need to give your money to them. And you can imagine the, the internal conversation, but this is, this is the money I need to do this next thing that I'm doing for you, God. I, don't, I can't do this next thing without... But again, living by faith, he gave that money to that specific need and, and then continued to the railway station. No money in his wallet, no bank card, no none of that stuff, no internet banking to transfer money across. And he shows up and, and basically say, he says, I need a ticket to go to where I'm going. And they said, the ticket will be this much. 
And then he goes, okay, this is where I've got to live by faith. And then he remembered the envelope that had been placed in his mailbox. And he pulled it out and it had the exact change to pay for his ticket. Now, again, someone has put money in his mailbox. He didn't know who it was and it was an impossible thing for him. And so we need to realise if God can do the impossible in impossible ways, he can do the possible in impossible ways. But he can also do the possible in possible ways. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes we live in everyday situations and we go, I don't need to trust God for this. I can handle it myself. Sometimes we, we, we handle it by ourselves for a, for a period of time and we, we go okay. And then sometimes as we're handling it by ourselves, it gets too much for us. We've taken on too much. It's too hard. The stresses are too much. And we fall apart and we give up. But what we need to do, why right the start of that, rather than doing it in our own strength, we need to realise that God can work in this situation. Yes, it's possible for me to do it in my own strength. It's possible for me to work this out. But when I live by faith in this situation, I am totally dependent upon God. And God works with me in this situation. Um, so God can do the possible in possible ways. But then God can even do the probable, the things that are likely to happen, in probable ways also. See, sometimes we, and we, what, we, what we need to realise is that when we're living top-down faith, from the impossible down to the probable, when we're actually seeing God at work through all of that, all of a sudden, one, we give him glory for it. Two, like we don't do things in our own strength. Three, we actually get to the place where we can be of use by God because we go, God wants to use me to actually be a probable or possible or an impossible solution for somebody else in their trial. And because I'm living by faith, I can do that. God wants to use us in his solutions. But in all of it, what we need to realize that God is at work. We just sang that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Now, Aren't you glad that we have a God who continues working even then what, when we're not observant of it? Because some of us at times, we are, we're not observant. Like, has anyone ever been someone where you're having a conversation with someone and, and like something happens and you're totally oblivious or they're totally oblivious or, or they say something to you and you're really offended and they're just not, they just don't, don't notice it at all? Well, the thing is, we, we miss what happens around us all the time. But the thing is, God keeps working even when we don't realise it. And so when we, when we understand that God works up here in impossible ways, he works down here in possible ways, he works down here in probable ways, but it is God at work through all of that, all of a sudden it increases our faith. It actually frees us to live, as I said before. And if we only believe that God can help in the possible, Oh God, I want you to help this person who needs 50 bucks to go to the, to get to the, to this, get the railway station. Or I want you to help this person who, who's got a bit of a cold and just help them get better. Like, if that's our limit, when the things that are bigger than that come our way, we can't believe God for it. We can't trust in God for it. Our faith is too small. And it can plateau. Now, I have seen Christians who have plateaued for decades. Because they've got to a point in their faith that they cannot get beyond. Because they're living a bottom-up faith. I've, I've experienced this, I've experienced this, and that's my experience of who God is. 
But if we come top down, if, if God is the God of the impossible and we come down and God can do possible things in my life and God can do probable things in my life, but what I realize is that God is with me every step of my life, all of a sudden we get to the place where we trust him in, in implicitly. And the thing is, impossible faith will bring change. What does it change if we live like God does the impossible things in impossible ways? Well, faith, faith changes our mindset. Like if you have faith that God can do impossible things in impossible ways, when you wake up and you have an overwhelming day, who is there with you? God. Okay, I'll just be a bit slow on that, on that one. But like God is with you when you wake up. When you have a day that you think, I cannot possibly get through this day. It seems impossible. God goes, ding, 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 ding. That's what I'm here for. When we've got a, just a hard day, a day that's going to be, we're going to get through it, but we're going to be worn out at the end. God goes, ding, 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 ding. I'm here for that too. When we've got an everyday sort of day, we get stopped by the lights in the morning, but we have a good day in the morning at work, and then we have a really long meeting in the afternoon, but we have a good relaxing evening dinner with your family. God is there for those days too. And so our faith changes our perspective, our mindset of how we view everything we go through. All of, all of a sudden, whether it's a little hill or impossible sort of sheer cliff, we go, it is okay because God is with me through this. Faith will move us from being overwhelmed to victorious. Faith changes our obedience in the small and the medium and the large and the impossible. Because when we believe God is, is at work, God can do the things he wants us to do. And he says, hey, Keith, I want you to do this. And my faith is that God can do everything. I go, well, God, I think you make a mistake, but I'll say yes anyway. I, I think that you, you, I, I don't, I don't, I think you could pick someone better than me, but if you know what you're doing. I trust you. I'm going to do it. That's our obedience. When God actually says, I want to change you, so many of us go, God, I don't believe you can. I don't, I, this is who I am. I can't change who I am. God, I can't the way, change the way my brain works. I can't change the way of my experiences. I mean, God said, then, so, do you know what? God can do the impossible in impossible ways. So if you are an impossible person, then God is perfect for you. God can change you the way he wants to. Faith leads us to trust in all areas of our lives as we become dependent upon him in all things. And this is the thing. Dependence sounds like a weak word. But when we depend on God, we will be at the strongest point that we will ever be in our lives. When we start at the place where God can do impossible things in impossible ways, all of a sudden, everything comes under that. When we work from the bottom, we say, God, I, I, I trust, and I, I've done this in my life. I, I remember when I first was working in the church, I was studying and finances were tight. I went, God, I can trust that you look after me. And it was sort of a, a stepping stone. And then I got married. I remember our very first Christmas. Technically, we were both unemployed for about two weeks. As we, um, our jobs that we were doing were casual and, and, and Elizabeth was waiting for a new contract. And so we had to learn to trust God to supply for us too as a married couple. And then as we moved, um, again, we, we had to trust God to look after us as a family. As we moved up here, we had to trust for God. And now that, that's a, it, it's, 
It's a growing faith. It's, everything's happened. But if we started at the point 16 years ago and we went, okay, God can do the impossible in impossible ways, I think there would have been a lot more peace in my mind. There would have been a lot less worries. There would have been a lot more or less sleepless nights. Why? Because God can do the impossible in impossible ways. God's going to supply my needs. I can trust in his promises for me and my family. I can do all that and I can go and just rest. When we flip it around, and so if you are just looking for the next experience where you can grow with God by this much, hey, that's not a bad thing, but it's no way the best thing. And so we need to learn that in doing this, no matter what challenges you're facing, if we have this faith in our life that God does impossible things in impossible ways, then everything underneath that, everything underneath that works out as God wills. Now again, as we grow, as our faith is shaped by that, all of a sudden we're okay with the fact that God may not do things our way. Now I'm sure Joshua would have preferred a different way, fireball from heaven even, like something more direct than trumpets and a loud noise. That was the plan that God gave Joshua. But Joshua said, you know what, God? Not my idea, but I'll trust in your idea. This is what we're going to do. And so all of a sudden, when we have things that aren't going the way that we want, we still have faith in those moments because, hey, God, I don't know what you're doing right now. I can't see you working right now. I can't feel you working right now, but I know that you are. And I know that your plan will come out of this. I know you will win in the end in this, however that looks. And and that's... I suppose that's the scary thing is that sometimes we go, but God, I want to go this way. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to take you this way. And so if you're going to trust me, yeah, this is going to be a problem. You've got to let it go and follow me. But as we have that faith, we're able to do it. As I've been thinking through this sermon, there was a a song that I I heard on Christian radio and um, it peaked, it caught my ear because it had the word impossible a few times. And I went, oh, started listening to it and then as I listened to it more it actually really captured me because it's got some really um, great lyrics and it's a song called Rattle um, by Elevation Worship and it says Saturday was silent surely it was through so they're basically talking about Easter Saturday Jesus is in the tomb looks like he's lost everything's over but then it has this line but since when has impossible ever stopped you and I hear the guy singing, it's almost like a smile on his lips as he sings that line. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And it has a bridge later on. It says, my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha. If you don't know that story... Basically, there were some pallbearers carrying this guy out to be buried and some um, raiders were coming through and they went, this guy's already dead, we don't want to be joining him and they threw him into a grave, which was Elisha's grave. So then this guy wakes up in Elisha's grave while the raiders are coming, going, I'm just going to hide here until the raiders go because I don't want to be dead again. But, like, God did something impossible. Um, And then it says, if there's anything that he can't do, just ask the stone that was rolled uh, off. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha if there's anything he can't do. 
just after the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the, in the garden, what happens when God says to move? And so that song just picks up this idea that, yeah, when has impossible ever been too hard for God? Creation, not impossible. Impossible for us, yes. Jesus in the tomb, impossible for us, not for God. Conquering sin in our life, impossible for us, but not for God. Being set free from from the bondage and, and, and the curse of sin, again, impossible for us, but not for God. And that's the thing, we need to realize that we have faith in a God who impossible is not a difficult thing. I, I, I can even see, like, just even God smiling about that idea. Yeah, impossible? Nah, not really. Difficult? Nah, not really. Hard? Nah, not really. And when we, we go through, oh, I, I've got a, I'm having a, a full day, and now I'm having a hard day, now I'm having a difficult day, now I'm having an impossible day, and God goes, I've got all of them. Come to me, have faith in me, walk with me, live by faith through the promises I have and those days will be possible because of who I am and who you are with. That's the God we serve. And I I encourage you to get to a point in your life where you can have top-down faith, a faith that starts with that idea that God can do the impossible in impossible ways and everything that comes under that, God has got it. Since when has impossible ever stopped him? Let's just pray. (coughs) Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are a God who impossible is not even difficult. I I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I thank you that we are able to call you Father. I thank you that we are saved. I thank you that we have a future in heaven. I thank you that we have a hope in the present. I I thank you that you supply our needs. I thank you that you show show us the way. I thank you that you care for us more than anyone else. I I thank you that you have created the world in which we live and you've given it as a gift for us to enjoy but also to care for. I thank you for this church. And even, Lord, I I look around our church at the moment and it it looks ugly with the scaffolding, but again... It just shows that you can do impossible things in possible ways. You have supplied a need for our church, which we weren't even praying for, God. And God, we we give you glory for that. But Lord, help us to, to live in such a way that we live with that first principle, that you are a God of the impossible. And everything else, everything that comes under that, whether we are having a tough time in our family, whether we're having a tough time in our workplace, whether we are looking for what our next step in the future will be, when we're looking for our needs to be met, we know that we can come to you and rest in you and live in a way that we can trust that you are able to do it in your timing. And yet, God, your timing may not be our timing, and so help us to be patient as we trust in you. But Lord, let us live by faith. Let us walk by faith. Let us face it each day with faith because we have a God who can do the impossible. And so today, God, 
Help us to realize that whatever challenge, whether it's a battle like Joshua had, whether it's a mountain that we need to climb, whether it's an everyday occurrence that we need to to get through, you are present and you are able to conquer that. We praise you for the God that you are. Amen. Amen.